1: This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com excuse to start your free trial membership.
2: This is Writing Excuses, Season 6,
1: Episode 23,
3: Pigeonholes.
2: Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And
3: we're not that smart. I'm Howard. I'm Mary. I'm Dan.
2: And we're joined by Jonathan Mayberry. Hello, this is
4: Jonathan.
3: Jonathan, uh, when we invited you to be on the podcast, and we're delighted to have you here, by the way, Happy um, to be here. you uh, were very enthusiastic about a specific topic that you wanted to talk about. Can you explain a bit to us what that is? <laughs> yeah. A
4: lot of uh, the writers I see, I, I teach writing as well as uh, uh, work as a writer. A lot of writers I, I, I meet have one specific idea of what kind of writer they want to be, and they're fierce about it. They, they want to do that one thing, but it may not be something that has an open door within publishing. And if they keep pushing, 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 they can spend a whole lot of their writing career collecting rejections when they don't have to. Um, if Instead, they, they could uh, apply their writing ability to write anything. I, when I was a teenager, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Ray Bradbury. And mm-hmm. one of the things he said to me is, a writer writes. If you're a writer, you should be able to apply that understanding, the, story-telling, the natural storytelling ability, with whatever craft you've learned, to write.
1: There's a similar thing. I'm a professional puppeteer. So um, one of the things we say is that for the first five to 10 years when you're establishing a new company, you have to do titles that people recognize because they don't recognize you. Um, And so what you learn to do is to write the shows and perform the shows that you are interested in doing and do them in such a way that people think they are something else. Uh So like, (laughs) so it's like Pinocchio and you have to make sure that it has all the elements of Pinocchio that they want to see, you know, the fox and the cat, the whale and all of that. But instead of telling exactly the same Pinocchio, the story that everybody has told, you tell the story of Pinocchio as a young man remembering his childhood and its pathos and there's music and, oh, the darkness, the pain. And, and people come out and they're still satisfied because they've seen the elements that they expected to see, but you have done the show that you wanted to do anyway, which cool. I think you can do in fiction. <laughs> wow. That's,
2: I, I want to see that Pinocchio. Uh, we, we actually Pinocchio do that a... Pinocchio. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was not actually just pulling that out of my nethers. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, Hello, I, iTunes! <laughs> <laughs> I, I th- this is a great point to talk about and, and it mirrors my personal experience. I wrote uh, the, the, I'm not a serial killer. First novel I published was the sixth novel I had written. The first five were all fantasy. I was writing epic and high fantasy because I thought that that's what I wanted to write and I probably still will at some point but eventually I, when, when I finally wrote a horror novel, that's the one that sold. And so being open to try new things is quite literally what got me published.
2: So, Jonathan, let me ask you this question. Um, what, where, where are the pigeonholes that you, you almost fell into?
4: Well, I had been writing uh, uh, magazine feature articles for years, and I shifted from that to writing nonfiction books, mostly textbooks. And I wanted to continue writing textbooks. I loved writing those. Uh, for uh, I was t- writing mine for martial arts classes, for Judo, for Jiu Jitsu, women's self-defense and they were fun and they were selling to other colleges but that isn't a career. Um, I wanted to then go into a mass market martial arts books and that market began dying as soon as the internet came on especially when yeah. YouTube came around. Um, people weren't looking to books they were going to videos online uh, to learn things. I kept pushing at that uh, for a little bit and then I realized that I'm, I'm, I'm spending a lot of writing time and I'm not making a lot of money at it. And I wanted to be a full-time writer. I didn't want to be a part-time writer anymore. I've been a part-time writer for 25 years. Um, so I, I shifted. But all along in my career, I've, I've kind of looked for things to do that I haven't done that weren't in my comfort zone so that I could stretch as a writer. I mean, I've, I've written uh, and had had produced uh, plays. Uh, I've written instructions on on uh, products. Like for example, I was uh, I saw a copywriting job for Burpee seeds, which is you know plant yeah, seeds. I, seed I know nothing about. I'm from the city, um, and I but I applied to it, and it was basically they said I we need someone to write a write text on how to you know put a hole in the ground and you know, put the seed in, fill it with with dirt and water, and you know. And I said that's what you want. And I said, she wrote that, and they thought it was wonderful. <laughs> and I got paid $5,000 for writing that. Um, so I, I wrote sarcastic greeting cards, largely because I had no idea whether I could, so I tried it. Um, and I did some of the very first cards that, in the Shoebox series. I don't know if you've seen the ones with the cranky little old lady. Um, she's wearing a bathrobe that, and fuzzy that, slippers. That's you? I did the first oh, wow. six of those. That's wow. a legacy. Yeah, I. I uh, you know, that's the sort of thing where... Um, it's not what I uh, intended to write or thought was my comfort zone. You know, I'm a martial arts instructor. Of, you know, I'm in the International Martial Arts Hall of Fame. I, I, I should be writing dignified stuff. Instead, of, I'm writing cranky uh, mm-hmm. greeting cards. Yeah. So everything that comes along, um, if I if it's something I haven't done, I deliberately try to do it to make sure that I never hit a moment where I, where I say I can't do that.
2: You know, in last week's podcast with Murr, we talked about how important it is to practice things and to, you know, to get training in things that you don't know how to do. And part of what came up was uh, do things that are difficult for you. And it sounds like that principle, pick something that's difficult, pick something that's outside of your comfort zone, and that will free you from the potential pigeonhole. It mm-hmm. really
4: will. Uh, I, I, have, I have friends who, for example, they want to write literary short stories. And that's, that's wonderful. You know? And I appreciate the craftsmanship they put into it. But, you know, who the hell makes a living at writing literary short stories? <laughs> who, who makes a, a living writing poetry? Maybe three people in this country? Uh, Maya Angelou, Billy Collins, um, and we can fish around for half an hour and maybe find the third person? Who is the, the new poet laureate? Who's actually, whose income is, is, is teaching poetry. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> right. So nobody makes a living doing that. And, and yet, if, if that's what you want to make a living at as a writer, and people say, I want to come, become a professional poet, that's a pigeonhole and it's not one that that has it, it's a very very small one it is it is but not very much pigeon feed, they don't feed you pigeon in there. feed in right. it yeah yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> what's also interesting though is that one of the ways the publishing industry is set up is with with novels is that once you write one novel they want more of the same thing yes and so the way i've dealt with that um my first novel just came out last year was that thank you um was that knowing that that was going to happen, because I'd seen it happen to all, all of my other friends, I wrote a whole bunch of novels across different genres. Um, and I write all over the board with my short fiction, so that I am still exercising the other parts of my brain. And, well, and, and, and your
2: name is attached to things that are, your name is already attached to things, you know, in the public eye that are very, very different. Right. For Want of a Nail is quite a bit different from Shades of Milk and Honey.
1: Yes, and, and yet they also have a lot of similarities, too.
4: Well, the similarities aren't necessarily, you know, something that um, I would push too heavily in, in my social media buzz. Because right. that, that can nudge you back toward the, uh, the pigeonhole. Uh, with a lot of my stuff, especially that you mentioned short fiction, uh, you know, once you have a novelette, you get invited to do short fiction for anthology. It becomes kind of a, a thing. Uh, and I've been invited for, to all sorts of of anthologies, including you know mystery. And I don't write mysteries. I <clears throat> started out writing supernatural thrillers. Now I'm doing horror, adult thrillers, and young young adult dystopian. Um, but somebody there was an opportunity to write a, a mystery, and I wrote a Sherlock Holmes story. Mm-hmm. Somebody else wanted uh, me to do something that was uh, for a military science fiction anthology, a genre I didn't even read, and I I, I did that. Uh, and, and when I buzz it, I buzz not only the story, but I buzz that genre, so that it kind of shines a little bit of a light on me from that crowd. In case yeah. there's another yeah. opportunity from that, organization. and so each each new genre I touch, I make sure I buzz and promote that genre through social media. Yeah, you know, I would, with
2: regard to Mary's uh, her, her science fiction, her Hugo-winning science fiction short story, <laughs> and uh, her uh, Regency fantasy. What, what I don't even know what genre to call that. Um, Regency um, fantasy. Yeah, Regency fantasy. Regency fantasy, fantasy uh, Shades of Milk and Honey. Um, the similarities that I found between the two were I could still kind of hear Mary's voice in it. But as a science fiction fan, you know, if I pigeonhole myself as a science fiction fan... Um, I like the short story much, much better because, hey, you know, rocket ships and robots.
1: Well, and that's that gets back to the earlier point that, that if there are... What we're talking about here is diversifying your income stream mm-hmm. and that you can do a lot of different things, a lot of different types of things, but still fi- fulfill the creative jollies, that the things that you get you really like about fiction. You can still get those creative jollies in a lot of different mediums.
4: Yeah, and that becomes an important point, too, because... Some folks seem to think that if you go outside of your of your area uh, what they used to call your genius mm. if They go outside of it that you're selling out that, that you're becoming just commercial and that's actually not true It's it's a very short-sighted uh, Interpretation what it means is that if you're writing something that's not your normal genre you as the writer are expected to to you're challenged to look inside and find the, the best story you can tell, and tell it with, with, your, uh, with your greatest skills online. So y- you actually have to rise to that challenge, not descend to simply taking a job. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of you know, successful writers are doing. They're rising to each new challenge. They're finding the fun of each new, new type of story and telling the best story they can. Okay, in the so-
2: spirit, In the spirit of selling out. Save big
0: on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app.
3: Well, no. In the spirit of what he's talking about, as Jonathan continues to try new genres, uh, you have dipped into yet another one uh, with Dead of Night, which I've just read and which is fantastic. And that is going to be our book of the week this week. Give us a quick pitch for Dead of Night.
4: Dead of Night is uh, my my way of of telling the Night of the Living Dead story with actual science (laughs) and with uh, a logical progression of how things would work. I'm, I'm very much a realist, even though I, I love fantastical uh, uh, genre. And I, much as I love Night of the Living Dead, um, there are tons of plot holes in it and, and tons of flaws in its structure that that wouldn't be there if the movie was made for the first time today. Mm-hmm. So I, I went in there and told a story, a very human story, um, about people caught up in this, this terrible crisis, but also gave a plausible scientific, military, and political reason for that pathogen to have gotten you know developed and out. Yeah. Okay. And the book is Dead of Night. Dead of Night from St. Martin's Griffin.
2: So head on out to audiblepodcast.com/excuse and uh, download a or start a 14-day free trial membership um, and uh, pick get up a, a free, free copy. Book? Yeah, get a get a free book from uh, Jonathan Mayberry and when I suggested selling out I was saying that we here at Writing Excuses <laughs> are uh, Well, yes. Uh, shameless shills because we like to be
3: able to buy new microphones. <laughs> Which we have recently done. <laughs> okay, now, uh, I, I think it's good to point out at this point, although we've, we've already implied it very heavily, that this is not just something that aspiring writers do. Uh, even even well into uh, Mayberry's career, he's still doing it. Lee Modisett is a fantastic example of this. I was talking to the tour editors yesterday, and they said that, they will publish pretty much anything Lee gives them regardless of genre because they know that his name is going to sell it, uh, which goes back to what Mary was saying at the beginning. You know, you put in your time giving people what they think they want and then eventually they'll buy anything you write because they love you. Yeah.
2: I'm looking at my own, uh, the, the revenue streams I'm getting from Schlock Mercenary And have realized that, uh, hey, you know, they're they're great money to be made continuing to do the comic. But my drawing hand probably cannot keep up with the idea generator upstairs. Mm -hmm. And so in order to de-pigeonhole myself as a comics guy, I'm spending a week going to a uh, writer's retreat with Mary and I'm not bringing my art supplies I'm not allowed to draw. If I have ideas, I'm not allowed to sketch things. I have to write words. And let me tell you, as we're having this conversation right now, I'm terrified because I've never done this before and I just don't know what's going to happen in my brain. But I also know that if I don't take this step, if I don't do something this extreme, I'm not going to be able to get out of that pigeonhole. This is a critical career move.
1: Yeah, and and the the getting out of the pigeonhole, once you have defined yourself in a certain way is is terrifying i'm going through that with the puppetry i've i keep saying puppetry is my day job but in truth over the last two years writing has become a larger and larger part but it's so hard to not define myself as i'm a professional puppeteer
4: yeah and and that was that was something i I saw coming into this when i was uh, pitching my first novels i saw that you know guys like stephen king had never uh, called himself a horror writer. He called himself a suspense writer, which is one of those nebulous labels that can cover anything. Mm-hmm. Um, same with, with Dean Koons, Robert uh, McCammon, Peter Straub, the writers whose books would be in the same genre as my first book. And I also noticed <clears throat> that each of them continued to write whatever they wanted, whatever they felt was their next <clears throat> best project. So when I uh, had my initial discussions with my agent, I told her, I'm gonna be writing all over the place. Um, I don't know what I'm gonna do next. But that is the book I want to I want to pitch next, and we you know she agreed that that we're going to try a non-traditional <coughs> view of a an open career. Whatever mm-hmm. I want to write, I'm going to write, as long as it's something she feels she can sell, then we'll work. But uh, at the same time, I also look at what is selling, you know, and I write fast enough. I write three novels a year, so I know I can write a book to catch a trend if I want to, but I would only do it if I thought I had a really good story to tell um, with. With uh, the agent relationship, though, she steered me in a direction that I thought I wasn't able, I go, uh, wasn't going to be able to do. I had written a novella for an adult anthology, and she said that is a uh, um, an opening for a YA novel, and I didn't really think so. And she sent me a bunch of YA novels to read, and uh, I agreed. I ex- let her pitch it, and that became Rotten Ruin. It's now a four book series with Simon S. Schuster that's winning awards all over the place, which is.
3: Also highly right. recommended. Rotten ruin is fantastic.
4: Thank you. So, we
2: got a, just a couple of minutes left. Um, we've got uh, uh, 10,000 listeners to the podcast. Uh, all, of whom, all, all of whom, all of whom, all of whom have just been convinced that uh, they've pigeonholed themselves. And oh no, what are we going to do? <laughs> I, I, Final advice. Yeah. Um, and if you want to, if you want to
4: couch this as a writing prompt for them. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how I work. I, I do a writing prompt every day. Um, okay. I, even though I'm on deadline, I do a, a different thing every day. I make lists of things that I'm going to do. Like I, I might say, all right, tomorrow I've got to write the first page of an insect western. You know, so that's what I'm going to write tomorrow. Or it might might be a love story for 13-year-old kids. You know, well, that's what I've got to write tomorrow, first page of it. Every day I try something different, something outside of my comfort zone, um, and I do it every single day so that every day I am stretching the limits of what I think I can write. And, you know, it's, it's a 15-minute exercise that somebody can do every day. And within a couple of weeks, you're pretty sure that you're able to write anything. Share that, that, those writings with other people. Put it on a blog. Put it on Facebook. Send it to your friends. Um, it's only the first page of something. It doesn't have to be a flash fiction. Just write the first thing.
2: Wow. Okay, so do, do you want to actually throw a writing prompt at us? I, I, Insect <coughs> Western. I don't want to steal that, but
1: uh, that's kind of I awesome. I do. <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> uh,
4: write 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 the the uh, f- opening scene of uh, a steampunk version of Alice in Wonderland. Very good. Nice, uh,
2: Jonathan. Thank you very much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. This has been Writing Excuses. You are out of excuses now. Go write.